You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. My guest today is Tiffany Ryland. She was recently named the number one commercial real estate influencer on LinkedIn and also named the top 25 women to watch in commercial real estate. Tiffany brings extensive experience in managing people and business operations to the Arvo team. She is mainly responsible for innovative and creative commercial real estate solutions for clients in small business and corporate sectors. Her vast background, including vendor management experience with CBRE, being mentored by one of the managing directors at Oppenheimer Holdings, an international trade analyst, enhances her attention to detail and critical thinking. Tiffany uses her advanced problem-solving abilities to streamline processes, thereby being more efficient and positively impacting the bottom line for her clients. Welcome her to the show today. But before I start, I always always start out with a quote. So this one's short and quick. It says, your growth scares people who aren't ready to change. And so, man, like as we're growing, motivated, getting after it, just know that there's going to be people in your life you're going to probably have to either let go of or just go on your journey. Hopefully they catch up. But yeah, I want to welcome Tiffany to the show today. She's in Houston, killing it in commercial real estate. But welcome to the show. Thanks for being on here with me. Thank you so much, Terrence. As Terrence said, my name is Tiffany Ryland. I am headquartered here in Houston, Texas, but we have nationwide capabilities. We have affiliate offices across the country, and we have been in business for over 38 years. Second generation business owner, my father and my mother started this company with a Rolodex at our kitchen table in the house. And so now I'm just trying to pick all the little nuggets I can from my father and learn as much as I can while he is not in retirement. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, go ahead and go ahead and lead us into that. So tell us your story in a couple of minutes. And then how did you get to become a real estate entrepreneur, obviously commercial broker, commercial agent? Just kind of tell me your story, how you got to this point, because we all got a story on how we got led into real estate. Absolutely. So I have to admit, when I first got into real estate or before that, I knew I didn't want to do real estate. Growing up in the industry, I've watched my parents work and I didn't think it was fun. We used to be in the car for hours showing people all these homes because it started out as residential. And I'm like, I don't care if the paint is pink or blue. Like, I don't care if there's a big archway or windows, you know, so I wasn't really into real estate. So I knew immediately when I graduated from high school, I don't know what I'm going to do but I know what I'm not going to do. So I went (laughs) to school. I got a degree in international business and marketing because I knew I wanted to travel. And I decided, I said, you know, I like Atlanta. I'm going to stay here. I ended up getting blindly recruited after working for retail and retail again. I said, retail is definitely not it. I got blindly recruited as an international trade analyst for Georgia Pacific. And so I worked there for a couple of years as an international trade analyst. I learned a lot of stuff that to this day comes in handy And then I left there. I was on an elevator with a gentleman and he was amazing. And he was living in this beautiful high rise condo and I'm not shy at all. So I said, Hey, I love this condo. What do you do? How do you afford to live here? And he laughed and he thought it was a great question. He said, schedule some time. He says, find me on LinkedIn, schedule some time. I want to talk to you. And I don't think he thought I was going to actually do it. And so I found him on LinkedIn. I scheduled some time and I went in and upon me, introducing myself and getting more knowledge about what he did and who he was, he said, listen, I want to hire you. So that's how I ended up in finance at Oppenheim and Holders. From there, I ended up getting recruited again to CBRE, which was 100% full-time remote, which it didn't hit me that it was a commercial firm. It was just like 100% from home, count me in, I'm there. Mm -hmm. 
And what year was that? That was in 2016. Okay. 2016, I got recruited to CBRE. Mm -hmm. And my mom ended up getting really sick. And so I ended up having to come home and I thought, you know, okay, I'll come home for a couple of weeks. It's fine because I already work remote. And she did not get better. So I ended up having to quit working with them and become a full-time caregiver. And at that Mm -hmm. point, I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to go. I just knew that that was my main priority. And so when she passed away, I had already started taking real estate classes because I said, if I'm going to be in the industry, I might as well have a license. Mm -hmm. And so when she passed, I said, I'm going to go ahead and finish up getting my my credits and everything else. Ultimately, I I knew that I had to do something to keep going. You know, my therapist said, you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep doing something because, of course, that's and that's how I ended up in commercial real estate. It wasn't really a plan to be here. I just knew that this is where I wanted to be. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So you transition in, you get into commercial real estate. Sorry to hear about your mom. I lost my mom in 18. And when you're young and you lose your mom, like it's, 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 it's tough, but you know, we got to keep making them proud. We got to keep going. And I know every day that they're watching us. So, so as you move into that, right, when you get with CBRE, it's obviously a, it's a huge commercial conglomerate, right? Where do you find your space? Like, when you transition, so let's talk, I'm going to come back to that question. Let's talk about this. Like, how did you transition into commercial real estate? Because like you said, most realtors start in residential first. Like, what do you feel like were some steps that if I wanted to get into commercial real estate, what would you advise me to do? So as with anything, I think sometimes people kind of want to have one foot in and one foot out. I think the best route to go is if you're going to do it, go hard or go home, which means go ahead and get your license. I know some people say, I don't want to get my license. I want to wholesale. Listen, if you can be successful in wholesaling, you can be extremely successful in the industry as a licensed broker. And I think there's this misconception about what that looks like. And so if, if I was starting over again, I would say, absolutely get your license get your license, identify different brokerages. They don't have to be large organizations. Look at some of the smaller ones too. They provide more flexibility. They provide an opportunity for you to grow. So it doesn't have to be a large organization. It can be, but you can absolutely look at some of the medium and the smaller size organizations where you feel like you have more training, more one-on-one assistance, that kind of thing. And I would say identify a a mentor, someone who you can talk to, someone who can guide you. This industry is very cutthroat. It's very difficult. One of the differences between residential and commercial, the sales cycles are a lot longer. Mm. And so people find themselves getting discouraged early on in their career at that six month mark when they haven't closed a deal, not realizing that it could be that seventh month that you close a deal. So I would say get a mentor, get your license, save as much as you can. Start a 30, 60, 90 day plan. What is it going to look like for me to merge into this industry full on? And the reason why I say that is it's difficult to do anything halfway. It's, it's hard to learn commercial real estate while you're still performing other duties for another industry or even in residential. It's hard to be able to be an expert and give your client what I think is the most valuable information and guidance if you're not fully immersed in that industry. And so definitely, like I said, just get your license, get your mentor, save your money and create a 30, 60, 90 day business plan that's going to help guide you as you start to get into the industry. No, that's great. And I'm going to keep digging there like so as a residential agent, right, you get your license, you slap some stuff on Facebook, you go hold some open houses, you know, you get on a team, things like that, right? You put some Instagram pictures up and you're showing yourself, right? That's what you see most agents do. If I were to get in the game in commercial and start trying to, would you say get into the transactional side first? Would you encourage me to find a niche? Where would you tell me to start to like start creating some momentum in those first six months? So I never created a niche. I have done multifamily. I have done 
warehouse, industrial, office, retail, I have done it all. And so Mm -hmm. I kept myself open, but some people find value in having a niche. And so if you happen to know a lot of people that are looking for industrial spaces, maybe that's your niche, but I left myself open so that I could have more opportunities and I could learn more. So it's just, that's a personal preference. I think if you're looking to, especially coming in on the transactional side, how do you get your pipeline? The biggest thing is how do you network? You, you, and you know, we've gotten into this technology age. So if you're going to be in a technology state, then you've got to be able to provide value to people through a computer screen. You've got to be able to keep their attention. You've got to be able to engage them, especially if you're not going to do any face-to-face, you know, personal engagement in terms of going to networking events, joining different organizations, that kind of thing. If you're just going to be a virtual person, you've got to hone in on getting to those people, figuring out who are they, not being afraid to pick up that phone and dial a number. One of my first transactions. I remember it was with a nonprofit organization and they're a pretty decent sized nonprofit and never in a million years did I think they would say, yeah, you actually can help me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now what? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, definitely pick up the phone, dial. It, this is going to be a time, especially in the very beginning, it's a time for you to really figure out how can I bring value? It's about being of service to other people. How do I bring value to what you're currently doing in your business in terms of commercial real estate? So being very creative, where do people need help at? Are they renewing their lease agreements? Are you expanding? Do you need to get out of your lease agreement? And really that's where your mentor comes in at being able to point you in direction and say, Hey, that's a good idea. We can put a campaign around that. So really figuring out where what's going on in the world right now and how can I be of service to people who need me? Love it. Love it. You actually went right to where I was going to take you on the, the first transaction. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So as you're moving into space, you're getting traction. Everybody has these different paths that you can take. And I always tell people when they get into real estate, find your path, like be you, do you try to get inspiration from other people like Tiffany and myself, whoever's in the game that you can see through social media or LinkedIn. But at the end of the day, you got to get off the porch and actually go do something. So when you had that mentor, what were some of the lessons that you pulled from him, that managing director that you were able to take into the rest of your career? That's a good question. So, and actually you said something that was very important. I think being yourself, it's great to get ideas and to be able to quote unquote, copy the right cat, but people will always buy into who you are. You don't want, you're not looking for my audience. You're looking for your audience. And so what do you do really well? How do you attract people? I think that's really important. But my mentor actually happens to be my father. And so I have been learning lessons from him since before I even knew I was going to get into the industry. And I can tell you when it comes down to the lessons and the mentorship that he's provided to me, I've definitely learned that budgeting is important in the industry, especially early on, making sure that, you know, you're planning for closing one deal this year. If you only close one deal, can you eat off of that for the next year? Yep. He's very big on making sure that we are unique, we are creative, we are innovative, that we're not afraid. We actually just moved into a new office space right before COVID hit. And he specifically created a room called the crazy ass idea room. (laughs) And that's where we get to just kind of come up with all of our crazy ideas. It doesn't matter how stupid it sounds to you or anyone else. Throw it up there, see what sticks. Don't be afraid to be out of the box. People want you to think outside of the box. If they want it cookie cutter, then they would go and find somebody else cookie cutter. They want you to have innovative ideas. And some of my craziest ideas have actually worked. Some of the things yeah. that I'm like, yeah, it sounds crazy, but let's let's see if it works. And it mm-hmm. works out and it works out better than what I anticipated. Yeah. Love it. Well, you were recently named the number one commercial real estate LinkedIn influencer. How did that come about? Like, is that something you applied for? Is it something that just happened? 
And what does that mean to you by winning that award or that getting that recognition? So the number one influence, the number one influencer award. So I got, I got a request a couple of months ago where somebody said, Hey, listen, we're doing these awards. We're compiling some of the top people or influencers on LinkedIn. You know, we want you to apply for it. So I was like, okay, like, and in my head, there's so many other people that I admire and I look up to and I've followed and I've even taken classes from some of these people. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably end up like at the at the bottom level. And I thought that it was, I didn't imagine that it was going to be as big as it was going to be. I was like, okay, like, you know, it's something fun. I'll just do it. And it ended up, I applied and I ended up coming in number one. And there was about 101 people on the list. And I think wow. that's just the list that they made. I think there were more people that applied for it. And to see some of the names on there, I was like, seriously? <laughs> We're, we're number one. This person is amazing. I follow this person. Like I admire this person. And I will tell you, we just ramped up on, on LinkedIn. I knew that we were going to have to go digital when COVID hit. And we just started pumping out content that I thought was going to be super valuable. Love it. So one of the big things now is Clubhouse, obviously. And everybody's talking about TikTok. Everybody's talking about Instagram. Everybody's talking about Facebook. And I'm one of the only people on there talking about LinkedIn. And so. Let's dive into that because I think that's people overlook LinkedIn and I love it because it's everybody that I'm talking to are C-level type executives, most of them. And one thing, one thing I learned about LinkedIn years ago, like they don't play around on LinkedIn. Like don't get on there talking about politics and all that stuff. Like they want to know it's about business. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that you're doing on LinkedIn? So I love going across the platforms. I think it's great to have a presence. I've actually never gotten on a panel for, for Clubhouse. I've been asked a couple of times. I've never used it. I've gotten on there. And the first time I got on there, I was like, I don't really know about this. Yeah. But I think it's great to have a, a platform on, on, each of those, on each of those networks. But to your point, LinkedIn is a great way to connect with C-level professionals. And I think it's vitally important because you're dealing with business-minded people. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. They have a different audience. I have a TikTok. I have an Instagram. I have a Facebook. I will tell you the bulk of my business does come from Instagram referrals and Facebook referrals. But some of my corporate connections that we've made to start working on some of the larger transactions and deals have come from LinkedIn. And that's because, again, to your point, that's where your C-level executives are looking. They're looking to see who's active, who's involved. And one of the things that I will say is if you are not present, online, you almost do not exist. And so LinkedIn, I think is a huge platform. There's a lot of opportunity there, especially if you're in commercial real estate, you really need to figure out how do you start connecting with those business owners, being able to reach out, create content that's going to appeal to the C-level executives, because it's a different type of content than what you're going to post on TikTok. TikTok doesn't want to see your one minute video on how to do a lease agreement. TikTok wants to see you do something silly. So And you can mix it on TikTok, but it's a a little bit of a different of an audience. So I think LinkedIn is is awesome. If you're not on LinkedIn, I think you should absolutely get on it, utilize it. I've made a lot of amazing connections and some good things are happening as a result of LinkedIn. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, LinkedIn is what it is. So where is your focus right now? Well, you and your dad, it's obviously family-owned brokerage, correct? Which I'm proud of you guys. You remind me a lot of my oldest daughter, Taryn. So she's 10, about to be 11. And then Tatiana is actually seven. So I'm grooming them to be real estate entrepreneurs and real estate professionals. So one day I'm going to try to get y'all together for lunch. But yeah, so what do you feel like y'all's focus is right now? What's the initiative? 
We are growing. We are expanding. I was just telling Ed, my father, I call him Ed and dad. It, it's a little, it's weird to say one or the other, but we're growing. We're expanding and we are getting business. We're getting a lot of business. And so now we're saying, okay, this is a great time to get more people engaged, to get more people who are interested in commercial, who have experience in commercial, who might be teetering half in and half out. And they're like, I've done commercial, but I just don't know. So we're looking to grow, to expand, and really just, again, continue to serve our community while also growing our corporate accounts, our government accounts and everything else. So we are in the I would say the phase of expansion right now. Yeah, I love it. So if there was one lesson that you could look back and and give yourself or tell, tell yourself before you got into commercial real estate, what would that one thing be to you, that you wish you knew before you got into commercial real estate? Commercial real estate will make you honest. That is something that my father always says. Mm. And what it means is if you're not busting your butt, you're not going to see results. Mm. And I think if I would have been working just as hard as I'm working now, Two years ago, I would have seen success maybe a year earlier or the level of success that we're seeing now, maybe a year earlier. And while I've always been one to get up and do work, the intensity of work that I'm doing now, I'm showing up every single day and giving 150% to 200% of everything that I have every single day because I'm seeing the results. Mm. I'm seeing the, the shift, the change not only in our company, but in myself and the people around us. And so if I could give myself a piece of advice, it would say, show up, show up every single day, show up when you're tired, show up when you're angry, show up when you're, when you're depressed, show up every single day. And even if, even if today wasn't as good as yesterday, as long as you were present and you were giving every single thing that you've got, you will see the results. That's lovely. I love it. So where do you see the opportunity as this you know, rising star in commercial real estate, you know, that's been the cool thing about the movement of 2020. Like we're starting to connect, you know, our culture is really moving and making some big, some, some big waves in real estate. And it's, it's been happening, but I guess now it's people are starting to take notice. Right. And so where do you see opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months in the real estate space in general? Like where, where do you see opportunity? So one of the things that I'll say is in terms of the the commercial market, a lot of people are thinking, you know, I can get in for pennies on the dollar. Like I can get in for no money at all. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. But what I do see, if you can get creative for those people who are, you know, hell bent on being in a retail space, maybe if you can shift your business model to being in an office space, office specifically in the Houston market is a very, very weak market, Mm. which means that landlords want you there. So you can you can get some really creative rates, some amazing terms and conditions for your lease agreement. And if you lock in a low rate, it creates a brick and mortar space for you and your business to be there. And so I'm telling people to rethink about your model. So I know I had a young lady who was doing hair and she was like, hey, I don't mind being in an office space if I can get a good rate. So I would say this is a good time when I see the opportunity, I see the, off, the opportunity being in the office market. If you can afford to be in there, if your business is doing well, then get in an office space and negotiate a low rate with amazing terms and conditions. I would say opportunity, it's hard with the warehouses and industrial because people are now going more into distribution. So the distribution centers and the warehouses, they're being snatched up left and right. And if you you see one and it's a good deal, jump on it, don't wait. And And I definitely say, have your team together, have your financials ready, have your business plan ready to go. Because if you can't move somebody else will 
Yeah. You're going to sit on it for, I had somebody call me. They're like, I like this property. And two weeks later it was gone. And so you can't be that person who says, Oh, well, I just want to go look. You've got to be prepared to move. So the opportunity is definitely an office opportunity. I see in industrial markets. If you can get in there, find it, move on it. Retail is still really stiff, but if you can get you in, if you can get into a second generation restaurant, if you're a restaurant person, if you can get into a second generation restaurant, lock in a low rate, that's an amazing opportunity because those restaurants are going to be looking to recoup the money that they lost. So if you can get in there now and make it work, I think there's opportunity there. And quite honestly, I think whatever there's opportunity wherever you go, you just got to be able to have the right people negotiating on your behalf and you've got to be ready to move. You can't be one of those people who comes in and says, oh, OK, now that we have their initial offer, let me go back and talk to my team. Have your team conversations on the front end, because if you're ready to move, you take advantage of all the opportunities that are there. If there's any cause for pause, the landlord will start to get stiffer on their negotiations. Man, that's great wisdom. So you just made me think about a deal. I was working on a deal as a Tesla building. And, you know, Tesla usually buys old buildings, old car dealerships, whatever, remodel them. And it was a brand new distribution center where I guess they make their charge packs. Mm -hmm. And I got my hands on it and I was beating my feet on the LOI. And, and, you know, somebody came in 1031 and took it. And it's like, that was a good lesson. It's like, I mean, when you get deals like that and then I didn't realize how rare it was until now. That was like four years ago. I've never seen a new building with Tesla's logo on it again. And I'm like. Got to move. So no, that's good. That's good wisdom. So is there a certain technology besides social media? Like, is there a technology that you learned at CBRE that you guys were using or that you're using now in your independent brokers that's really helping you in the commercial? I wouldn't say no. I think the biggest thing that's helping me right now is a Mm -hmm. spreadsheet that I learned how to make when I was at Georgia Pacific utilizing formulas that allows me to see where my clients are. So it's almost like a C, a personal CRM, but yep. why I, the reason I like it is because I can see, okay, I haven't touched this person in three days. My columns will turn different colors. So oh, it's wow. been more than three days. It had turned red. If it's been, oh, no, I'm sorry. If it's been more than three days, it had turned yellow. If I've touched them within three days, it'd be green. Anything after the six day time period or whatever, seven days, it turns red and says, Hey, you need to call these people. And so I can see all of my clients and I can see where they are in their process. And it helps me to be able to say, okay, I need to call this person, I need to send this person an email. And it's really just for me, it's a personal way of being able to manage all of the, all of the clients that are coming in and all the deals that are coming in. And, you know, we were just talking about ERP systems, which are, you know, your SAPs and all this other stuff that people have in their organizations and they're super expensive and they're super comprehensive, but sometimes they're so big and so robust that it makes it more difficult to use. And so you can go right back to an Excel spreadsheet and use an Excel spreadsheet and it helps you get everything done. So I wouldn't say that we're using a technology. I just, I created something on my own that I learned how to do when I was at GP. And it works. And it, and it works amazing. I actually shared it with our team. It works really well and it documents you know, what's in the pipeline. It gives me an idea of what I can anticipate closing in April, May, June, July. I mean, it's really, it's really comprehensive, but at the same time, super user-friendly. Love it. Love it. So personal question, you're selling real estate, you're growing the brokerage, second generation owner, killing the game, influencing, really kind of leading the space. And I think you also top 25 women to watch in commercial real estate, which is an amazing honor. Where are you investing your money? Like, where are you investing your time? Because, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks about this. Like, we have to have a career and our money has a career. So where do you where do you invest your money? 
we are investing. We will be investing in some homes this year. Okay. And so that will, will help to kind of build out the portfolio. I am an investor in a bank. There you go. And we are, we do have financial advisors that help us to kind of figure it out. And then a friend of mine, I actually invest on the side. She kind of says, Hey, these are some good stocks to look at. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you think it's a good idea, I'll trust you. So I have a little bit of play money there. And then I have, we have a financial advisor. And then we also have, like I said, we're going to be looking to buy some homes and we are investors in banks or a bank. Love it. Yeah. You're diversifying yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's perfect. So doing some real estate, doing some stocks, doing some banking, but also just growing your personal brand. I know that's been a focus for you too. Oh yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So let's dive into this. So as you grow and as you expand, wh- what is your vision for your personal career? Are you wanting to stay in Houston or you want to expand throughout Texas? Like give me big goals, the big why. So no, I don't want to just stay in Houston. My dad would probably flip over if he heard me. <laughs> he, he's like, listen, I'm looking to retire. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like 50 years. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but I want to continue to expand across the country. One of the things that's really unique about our organization is we are big in diversity and not just diversity in, in ethnicity, but diversity in age, diversity in gender, diversity in you know religious beliefs, everything. And one of the things that I know when I, you know, when I worked at a different firm is that diversity is not always talked about and it's not always welcomed at, at a level where people feel comfortable with coming to you with different ideas and different concepts and different things like that. And so I would love to be able to have Arvo headquarters. Well, our headquarters will always be in Houston, but have different Arvo offices. We have one in New York currently. I would like to get one in Atlanta by the end of this year and a couple more across the country where we can start to really allow people who have that kind of creative, innovative background. They're not cookie cutter. They think outside of the box and they have an opportunity to work for a firm that supports that kind of thinking or supports that kind of idea. Not to say that these other organizations don't, but just from my personal experience, I can tell you, I did not get the same feeling that I could be as creative and innovative and and forthcoming as I am in, in the company and organization that I am in now. And so I can imagine that there's others that probably feel the same way. And I've actually had a couple of them reach out from different large organizations and say, hey, listen, you know, we don't have the mentorship. We don't have the guidance. No one looks like me. No one. And not just from a African-American standpoint, but, you know, there's not many women who are doing what I'm doing or there's not many people who are Asian that are doing. So just really wanting to have a firm that really, really pushes the importance of diversity and inclusion and has offices across the country. That is my big dream. I want to be I want to be a large CBRE before that kind of creative, innovative, diverse thinking. I love it. That's a that's an amazing vision because it's funny. One of the things that me and my wife talked about when we started our companies is we were both in our 20s, you know, both came from single mom homes. And we said, you know, same thing. We want to accept all. We want to create an environment of creativity and growth and positive thinking and not that fake stuff like real, like, you know, like pushing the envelope. Right. And we put our kind of athletic spin on it because I was a former pro athlete. So but I love it, man, because like you said, we need more of it. Like we need like I want my kids to be able to look at any industry and see themselves being able to do that. And whether they're black or whether they're young ladies, I want them to say, Hey, whatever that is in front of me, I can do it. So man, I love it. And I want to stay in touch with you. Cause if there's anything that I can do in the future, whether it's 10 years down the road and two months and I can help, I, w- I want to be a part of that. So that's good. And I'd like to add to that. You know, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I think sometimes people think that we're just talking about black or 
African-American. And one of the things that I said I wanted to continue to push and continue to let people know diversity does not just mean Black. Diversity means Asian, Hispanic, Indian, whatever your ethnic background is. Diversity means genders, whatever you classify yourself as. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I didn't want to get into this industry because I didn't think I'd be accepted. So really being able to open up the doors. Now, I will say I say I want this big CBRE kind of firm, but also we need those those people on these new generation. I don't I don't know, like they're scaring me, but the new generation doesn't have the same level of grit or determination or commitment. They're definitely microwave babies, and it's very difficult to train the next generation if they don't have the right mindset, if, if they are not solution-driven. What I'm finding is a younger generation is, you know, they, they have more excuses than they have, you know, solutions. And so really, I say I want that, but I have no clue. But when we talk about diversity, that's exactly what I mean. I want different ages. I want different genders. I want different backgrounds. I want the whole shebang. Yeah. Uh, and 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 add to that as we before we move on is I always finish with in diversity and thought like everything just diversity and everything like because if everybody and I tell my team all the time like I'm not looking for yes man like I don't want to be in the room in front of people on my team and everything I say everybody's like yeah yeah like like no like <laughs> like give me give me a different perspective like and so now we're really pushing for that that's good and I mean it's it's crazy because growing up with a single mom who worked really hard and was really trying to grow her career. And she, I remember still to this, I think I've told this story before, but she would get all dressed up. She had this opportunity to, you know, get a promotion. And then she would come home, shoulders down. I'm like, what happened? The whole day, I didn't get it. And it's like watching that as a kid. So like when you look at my organizations, pretty much all of them, nine times out of 10, they're, they're women led. Like most of my organizations are led by, led by ladies, including my wife. So no, that's good. So book, right? What's the top book that you would tell our listeners to listen to? What's the book that has changed your life and that you would tell our listeners to, to pick up? So, of course, I have to do a plug. My father wrote a book, The Secrets to Building a Successful Minority-Owned Company. And that one, of course, is personal because it's my dad. But more importantly, watching him write the book and knowing the stories behind some of the chapters really hits in a different way. I even I cried reading one of the chapters because I was like, it's so real and you can remember it. And it's when he talked about having $35 to his name and having a family to, to take care of and a business to run and just not knowing what to do and just pushing forward. And now, you know, he's been able to build one of the top minority owned commercial real estate firms in the country and one of the top ones in Texas. And so definitely would say pick that one up for sure. Love Again, it. that's the secret to building a successful minority owned company by Ed Ryland. By Ed Ryland. The Secrets to Building a Successful Minority-Owned Company by Ed Ryland. Make sure everybody heard that. So what's what's the final thing or well, two questions? What are you doing to invest in you? Because as real estate entrepreneurs, like you said, you're giving 150, you're grinding, you're working long hours, you're sacrificing a lot, you're, you're, you're bringing in a lot of messages online, and you know you try to respond to everybody. I know we're in the same space. So what are you doing to invest in you, though? I just made a really good financial investment in Orange Theory. <laughs> <laughs> so that I could relieve some stress. And whenever I work out, I always get these crazy ideas and my, my wheels get to spin. So working out. Also, I, I like to start or try to stay on a schedule. And that schedule is inclusive of working out, resting. So I've yep. been making sure that I'm leaving the office earlier than what I typically do. I don't always do it, but you know, I'm trying to leave now earlier so I can get the proper amount of rest so I can be up and vibrant and on my toes for everyone. 
and also reading something positive. Mm-hmm. You know, I I read Joyce Myers in the mornings, and sometimes the stuff that she says, I'm like, wow, like I'm going to take that. this with me. I'm going to carry this with me through the day. So I invest time in just kind of like my mental, my spiritual. I go to church on Sundays. You'll find me driving to Shipley's Donuts, listening to church every single Sunday. That is my thing. And like I said, working out, physical fitness is important. And this year I am making it a point to take some vacations, some break time, some rest time so that I can be the best version of me for everyone else. No, that's good. And I, it's funny because I, I look at these podcasts and I look at all the success that people are talking about. People don't talk about mental health and the sacrifices behind closed doors. And that's why I always mention that question. Like, what are you doing to invest in you? I'm working out. I'm going to church. I'm reading. Okay, cool. Like, what happens is people think we're robots. They just think we just go, 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 go. And it's like, man, we're people too, you know? So final thoughts. If you were going to leave our listeners with a final thought, what, what would be Tiffany's final thought to leave our audience with? Final thoughts. Honestly, it's really simple. Work hard. And just push through. If you can push through a day, regardless of what it is, again, if you if you got 75% in you today, give all 75%. But work every single day to give more than that. Work every day to give every single thing that you have to your to whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's real estate or whatever it is, give 150% of what you have to that thing. Stick with it. Don't allow anything to discourage you from doing it. And watch how things just continue to grow. Do for others, be service-based, make sure that you're serving other people and your business, whatever it is, your venture will grow. Wow. That's good. How can people find you? So give everybody away if they want to find you from the podcast, because it's going to get some good, it's going to get some good traffic. How can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn at Tiffany Ryland, or you can find me on Instagram at Tiff Ann Ryland. That's T-I-F-F-A-N-N. R-Y-L-A-N-D. That's my first half of my first and middle name. And I would say those are the two main places to, to look for me. Or you can do Tiffany.Ryland on Instagram. Either way, if you put Tiffany Ryland in, something will come up for sure. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm proud of what you're doing. And soon we'll go to lunch together. I'll make sure I get down there to see you. And I'd love to meet your dad too at some point. Absolutely. He'd love to meet you as well. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com.